0: Following is a message from Praise and Worship, a community of people in Branson, Missouri, who are loved by Jesus and joining Him in His mission to bring love and hope to all people. For more information and for more audio and video content, visit www.bransonchurch. I think it's really cool to read Hebrews thirteen on Thanksgiving weekend as we talk about the sacrifice of praise. The reason I think it's really cool is is you're right at the end of this letter, and he's been just giving us all kinds of powerful teaching, quoting the Old Testament, teaching us about Jesus, pointing us to Jesus over and over and over again. And then he concludes, with like, hey, you know, don't forget my, bro- my brother Timothy. You know, all these, He's talking about people and relationships and friends and family. Take good care of God's people. Keep greeting them. Keep, keep whatever it needs to be done, do it, because that's family. See, that's, that's what God's people are. We are God's family on this earth, and, and we go through all kinds of things with families. And I'm wondering here if, if, as you guys gathered for your Thanksgiving meals, I bet there was a spectrum of experiences that may have been had. And I'm just going to throw a few samples out, see if, see if any of these strike you. So some people's Thanksgivings are involved like these big get-togethers, and I mean, I feel like I gain weight just remembering that meal, and it was really good meals, good food, and, and you get together, and, you're, and you start, and you see people that you haven't seen in a long time, and you're like, yay, and then you're like, oh, but now it's time for them to go. And you know, you, you start to have those feelings too, and there's a spectrum that goes between sort of the love and the joy, and, and then some people have these feelings, I know, that when they're at Thanksgiving, they're sad, right, because of the people who aren't there, right, and that may be a spectrum of, of feelings. And then there's those people who are like, I don't care. I just want to be together with anybody and I, and I never want to leave. I want that to continue going. And, and we I think we all have feelings all along the spectrum. And I, my prayer is that you weren't lonely on Thanksgiving. Sometimes you can even be in a large group of people and be lonely, right? And this is also part of the thing that we got to deal with. And all of this has to do with the sacrifice of praise because that is this kind of last moment you know, right at the end of the book. You know, he, just, he just sort of says that you know, we bring the sacrifice of praise. That's just what we do. That's who we are. And it's interesting because when you think about Thanksgiving, do you praise God as a result of that? No, some people are like, yeah, I praise God in all circumstances. Well, I'm happy for you. Your faith is better than mine. Okay, no, we're going to praise God in all circumstances. But you know what I'm saying. Sometimes don't, we don't feel like it, right? And sometimes um, in those feelings and those emotions and all that that's going on, we need to hear God's word once again. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And this is so important as a good conclusion moment. It's ironic because you can go through the whole Bible and you will not see a more concise, powerful statement about who is God and what is he like. And he is the same yesterday and today and forever. And, you know, they, there's, there's a lot of these passages in Hebrews that, that make their way onto, you know, like Hallmark cards and coffee cups and things. And this is one of them. And this is probably you know, one of the best. It's because it's, it's this kind of statement that is saying that God never changes. He just never changes. And we've, we started the book of Hebrews, we, we said it's the two mountains, right? And we're going to learn, you know, how did God, what happened to God between the Old Testament and the New Testament? And there's your answer. What happened to Him? When did He change? Never, right? But in the Old Testament, He's kind of all grouchy all the time, you know? And in the New Testament, He's like, you know, I love you, you know. No. No, he was saying I love you on page one of the Bible and on every page all the way through and he's still saying it and that will never change. Yesterday, today, and forever. Right? And this, guys, this is good news for you and for me. A lot of people think God is you know, um, sadistic in some way. Well, he gets a whim about it. Well, I don't, I don't know that I like the people in California right now. They've been doing all these things about getting the Bible out of their state and everything. Let's just burn it to the ground. You know, that's what they think God's like. You know? And you're like, well, let's see. They tried to remove the Bible, now the state's on fire. Hmm, there we go, right? <laughs> this is what people do. <laughs> May I just say to you that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He is the same Jesus who died on the cross for all of the people in every state, in every place, no matter what their behavior is. That's, that's the facts. That's the promise of God. And, and yes, there are times when he gets involved in situations and we, not, we're not here to talk about that because we're called to be gospelers, not condemners. For God so loved the world, right? He loved the world that he sent his only son, right? That's, that's what we're about. He did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. And so that's what we're, we're participating in that mission of love and joy and peace of giving it to people. In the Old Testament, the plan was the same as it is in the New Testament, but something did change. Something did change. Jesus didn't. God didn't. But something changed, and that something is the world. And what happened to the world is Jesus showed up on the scene, and he said, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. That's that's what happened. Right, the kingdom of heaven is at hand in the book of Matthew. You know, in John chapter one, it says, "In the beginning, you know, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God." And in, in Luke's gospel, you know, you have all these cool things, and the shepherds are seeing the angels sing, and we're going to start celebrating all of that here in the coming weeks. And then, and then Jesus goes to his hometown after, you know, as, as he grows up, he goes back to his hometown. He goes into the synagogue one day. And there's all these things going on. And they say, hey, Jesus, do you want to read the Scripture today? And he's like, you know, I think I will. And he opens the scroll to Isaiah 61, where it talks about the coming of the Messiah. And he reads about it. And then he rolls up the scroll, and it says everybody's eyes were on him. And he said, today that Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The kingdom of God has arrived. Okay? And to which their response was to try to rush him off the cliff at the edge of town. Try to kill him. Nobody can say that. He can. He can. He can. And so, and so this is this whole process of us trusting that the Old Testament and the New Testament are one story. They're the story of God who created these people that he loves so much that he wanted to be with forever. And on page three, they said, actually, maybe not. We're not, we're gonna do things on our terms. Because they grabbed a hold of this tree of I know everything, and they just decided that they would be the arbiters of good and evil. They would be instead of him, and so then there's this tragic story of spiraling out of control and down and down and down the people went, and they got worse and they got worse and they got worse. And, got worse, and God's like, what are we gonna do? And they tried this big flood thing, and that you know it didn't it didn't solve the problem. And he and it's not like God didn't know that, but then there was. There was families and there were situations and there were circumstances and there were kings and there were priests and all of these things led to a baby born at Bethlehem. All of it pointed to that the whole time. Because way back on page 3 of the Bible, God said to the serpent, her offspring, that is Eve's offspring, yeah, he's going to crush your head even though you will strike his heel. The story was there all along. And that's what we need to understand is when you hear somebody say, well, in the Old Testament, God was grouching. No, 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 no. no. It was the process, the plan to bring Jesus to this world where he could establish his kingdom and set his people free. Take a look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9. <laughs> because what happens to us? Well, we, we, you know, you, you're, you're up late at night, you're flipping channels, and you go to one of those history channels or the learning channel, or, you know, sci-fi channel, I don't know, and you get going with one of these strange teachings. This is what happens, or maybe you're you're surfing the web and you land on jesuswasnotgod.com or something like that, and you get weird kind of strange teachings, right? Don't be carried away by them, okay? Learn Learn the story. We've often shared this. I'm going to share it again because it's so important, you know, and that is Debbie... She, she worked at the bank when, when we first got married, and she, she would always t- tell me about how do they learn what is counterfeit. They don't spend any time studying the counterfeit bills. They only study the originals. And they can spot the counterfeit a mile away. This is what we're called to do. We're, going to, we're called to do this. And see, all of those strange teachings, regardless of what they are, and I always find it interesting that people will be like, do you think that aliens could have been the ones that brought Jesus here? And I'm like, come on, man. You know, do, you know, they come up with weird things, right? And I'm a sci-fi guy. I like all that stuff, but it's those are stories, and they teach us a lot about humans. And you know, I find it all very, very interesting. That if you look at the main characters of my favorite sci-fi story of all time, Star Wars, you, know, you got you got all the same characters that you got in the Bible. I mean, you really do. They're all there. And I mean, I'm sure George Lucas didn't plan it that way, but because people have asked him, he's like, eh, not really. But but it, it happened anyway because those are the stories that exist in everybody's lives. Those are the characters that exist in everybody's lives. You've got some person who is frustrated with reality and there's also this big impending evil coming and at the, at the center of it all is some dude who wants to make everything right, right. That's what we're looking at is the true story. The story of the one guy who wasn't a failure and he wasn't a moisture farmer. He is... God Almighty, come for you and for me. Don't be carried away by strange teachings because all of those strange teachings lead us to think that we have to save ourselves. All of them do. You're not good enough. You've got to try harder, get better, whatever it is, do more. And, and, and what the Lord is saying is we need to be strengthened by grace. Grace is receiving something that you and I do not deserve. That's what grace is. And so that's the thing that our, we, we're just like, yeah, but we, that's what we do with grace. Yeah, but I don't, that's too good to be true, right? We've all been taught that. It's too good to be, eh. Yes, it's true. We're here to be strengthened by grace. Not by ceremonial foods. That's, I put that in quotes because it really, it could be anything, right? Ceremonial foods. Like at our house, you know, on Thanksgiving, we, we do this thing where we invite people who don't have plans. And so we had a, a good group together. And and we were and I'm very nervous because I don't like to carve the turkey, right? I'm not I'm not a tur- turkey carver. But what was funny is Doug didn't come this year, so I had to carve the turkey, and it was just like, oh my goodness! And my dad was there, and I'm like, Dad, you need to carve the turkey, and he's like, I, my eyes don't work that good anymore. This could turn out bad. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but and so and so and the next thing I know, I'm he's like, just cut it right there, do these things, and so I'm sort of making I'm just butchering the turkey. I'm not carving the turkey. That would be a very and then somebody says, it's okay, it'll taste all the same. And I thought, hmm, that's the same kind of thing. You see, more, a turkey is kind of a ceremonial food, isn't it, on Thanksgiving in America. And I was worried about messing it all up, and I needed to be strengthened by grace. And thankfully, people were there to do that. And so it tasted pretty good. This is a silly example of what goes on. Because what happens is we try to build religious practices that make us feel like we're closer to God. and In one sense, there's nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of religious practices that people use that bring them back to the feet of the cross, right? And, and, and to the foot of the cross, and that's, what we, that's great. Um, but don't, don't let those be the things. Always keep Jesus at the center and receive his gifts. This is the good news that he gives to us. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. This is where we're going to conclude our time because this passage carries so much in it. Through Jesus, that phrase, through Jesus, through Jesus, through Jesus. I mean, it's weird. I was just curious. How many times does that appear in the New Testament? And it's, it's well over 30 depending on you know, its different forms. It's not always just through Jesus. Sometimes it's through Christ or whatever. But it's through Him. It's through Jesus. And, and it's 30, 37 times depending on how you count it. And it's just this always like that's how we connect with God through Jesus. Because if you go to God on your terms, then you're going to look at yourself and go, I don't belong here. I mean, that's just what happens. But if you go to God on his terms, by faith, then you look at Jesus. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Then we belong there because he has brought us there he has made the way there and he goes through jesus therefore let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise now i would ask you to define the word praise this is an interesting word because you know it does have some importance to a church called praise and worship and 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 so, so it's therefore a word that is part of our sort of our story and and what is praise and you got to think about how do you use the word when you're not worshiping you know, sometimes you might say, okay, you might praise your kids, right? And um, and, and and that's cool, but what are you doing when you praise your kids? You know, you give them an attaboy, boy, right? Or at a girl, good job, whatever. That's kind of what you do. Or, or maybe you want, we would love to receive praise at work. And you might be like, Yeah, I don't ever get that. But maybe you want to receive that. You know, so praise is one of those things where that, that you get the a boy or the a girl. Um, praise is not an attaboy or an a girl for God. That's not what it is, right? So it's almost every context that we use the word praise. Outside of spending time with Jesus, it's very different. And so it's really strange when you start to define it, what is it? And what's really beautiful is if you study the word praise, you know, one of the best places to see praise being really just demonstrated to us is Psalms 145 through 150. 145 to 150. If you ever just sit down, open up Psalm 145 and read all the way through Psalm 150, they're all very brief, they're like two or three paragraphs. And there's this interesting thing because it's it's the word hallelujah, right? And hallelujah is the Hebrew word for praise be to the Lord. That's what the word hallelujah means. So it's always interesting when secular people use the word hallelujah because the Yah on the end is for Yahweh. Praise be to Yah. Hallelujah. And so I always like, you you know, when you read those scriptures, everybody will confess his name. They do it all the time. And they have no idea. Of course, they also use his name as cuss words too, but that's another story. Hallelujah, praise be to the Lord, right? And Jesus Christ is our Lord, and so this idea is that through Jesus, and so he is at work at us, and our response to him, whatever that might look like, becomes praise. For example, if a a musician dials up a beautiful song, And starts playing the keys or strumming those things or hitting the drum or whatever instrument it might be hence psalm 150 every instrument should be used uh, even the electric guitar and so it's, it's what they use in heaven it's the angels right they're shredding and so and so anyway you have all those things going on and those that is praise when an artist is drawing or creating or or doing beautiful things or sculpting or carving this is praise when a teacher stands before his or her classroom and begins to convey knowledge, this is praise. When when you are a construction person and you're building something or fixing something or the mechanic is like that, boy, that thing's broken, and you replace it, all of those things are praise. And I could keep going, right? Everything when you're up here yapping, sometimes too long, it's praise. Trust me, everybody's like, yeah, I see what you did there. That's not going to work. But it is, right? And so see, this is what we're talking about. This is praising God. What we do when we come to this place is we receive his gifts, and then we praise God. And yes, we sing, and yes, we pray, and yes, we may do a little Bible study or whatever it might be. But guys, the real praise is going on when you're out the door. When you're everywhere else and you're with your family, and you're with your friends, and when you're with your co-workers, and you're with complete strangers, and you are being you. The you, you, if you'll allow that language, the you that is the you that Jesus has redeemed from the dead, has risen, brought you back to life in his name, right? And this is the you that, like, you know what it is. You know when you're the you, you, and when you're not the you, you. And everybody's like, this is starting to sound really strange, but trust me. So on Thanksgiving, I told everybody, I said, I'm turning off my calorie counter today. That's what I'm doing. I turned it off. And I just, I just piled my plate up really big. And I sat down and it was delicious and it was wonderful. But I've actually been kind of doing good with my whole calorie counter thing. And so what, what happened that night is I felt terrible. <laughs> because my body's like, dude, you've been kind of making some progress. And so this was this epic fail. And it was like, that was not the you, you, right? That was not the the one that Jesus is making better, right? And I don't mean to say that losing a little bit of weight makes me the you-you. It's what was going on in the heart, you see. And all of a sudden, my heart was like, ooh, what is it? It's Thanksgiving. Let's go. See, you see what happened there? It's a silly example, but what it does is it demonstrates that when you just sort of let go of everything that God is doing and you let that sinful self reassert and take over and you sort of give it... Or you know, sometimes they'll say, don't give the devil a foothold. I gave him a foothold and a big lounging chair that he could sit in and do whatever he wanted to do. And I, and I didn't feel the you, you, right? And, you, and this is what I'm trying to teach and trying to convey and communicate. A sacrifice of praise is when you're like, you mean the Lord even loves me? You mean the Lord even loves what happened that one night, that one day, that one time, or when my, my mouth spoke and it shouldn't have, or when my actions were terrible? You mean he even loves me then? Praise be to his name. And when you are living life and you have hope again, and you have the ability to go forward again, and you actually believe you could maybe even do something in, in, by the power of his grace that could help other people, that's good stuff. And it starts to impact the music, and the art, and the crafts, and everything else in between. And the, and the teaching, and the working, and everything that you're doing. And the child rearing, and, and the, the lawn work, and I mean every little thing. Even Thanksgiving dinner. I'll let you know how that goes next year. But you see how that works. There's this last phrase, the fruit of his lips, that confess his name. This is what his plan is for you and for me. It's, I'm just, it's very simple. His plan for you and for me is that we would produce fruit. But it's His fruit, right? The fruit of the Holy Spirit. You can read about it in Galatians chapter 5, but it's very simply this. Love and joy and peace. So love and joy and peace. Th- those three. Love, joy, peace. And then it goes to patience. Lord, give me patience and give it to me right now. That's right? So our old joke. Love and joy and peace. Patience and kindness and goodness. Notice how none of these are religious words in terms of the way we would normally use them. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Notice how that was missing for me on Thursday. Self-control. See, that's the you, you. When you are exhibiting those fruit, notice how those apply in any and every aspect of life. (coughs) Every aspect of life. That's the gift of God, and that is what happens when we confess His name. Notice how love and joy and peace don't necessarily spell Jesus. People have tried. They're like, okay, we got a J in there. Let's see if we can figure it out. No, but they do spell it out because that's what He is. He is love. He brings and gives joy freely, and He is the the Prince of Peace, right? This is what we're going to sing in all our Christmas songs, right? And that's what it's all about. And so what we do is we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the... Sorry, that's the song. We're going to sing it in a minute. House of the Lord. And we don't also bring it everywhere we go. And this is the gift of confessing his name. Confession is the idea when you speak the same things. You say the same things together. And that is something we're going to do throughout our lives through our following of Jesus in every place, in every time, in every situation, because of him and through Jesus. Can we pray about that? Let's do that. Father, we thank you for the brief letter of Hebrews. It's been a fun study of seeing the two mountains. Mount Sinai, where there's gloom and darkness and fear. Mount Zion, where there is love and joy and peace. And yet, both are true. This idea that there will be justice. God will not tolerate injustice. And yet the also true that he loves every single human because he created them in his image. and He created everything and he loves all of creation. And so his desire is that all of it would be saved, redeemed and renewed, resurrected. And so his powerful plan was to have two mountains. Not just the mountain that demands a justice, but another mountain which delivers it. Not upon us, not upon our heads, but upon Jesus. His blood cries out a better word than that of Abel. And so now we're set free. And what should we do? Lord, I pray that You would grow this idea of the sacrifice of praise in our hearts. That we would carry it forward and that that when we fail and we eat too much on Thanksgiving, so to speak, that we would see your grace again and that we would respond again by praising your name and participating with you in your mission, whether it's in our kitchens or in our workplaces or out on the lake or anywhere in between. Give us the power so that we could participate with you and by your power that you, through the (coughs) Holy Spirit, would produce your fruit in us through Jesus, the Rescuer. He is our Lord, and he lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.